in today's episode, I had the privilege of engaging in a conversation with Dr. April Jones. Dr. Jones is an oncology medical director and a pharmacist. In this conversation, we discuss her family's journey with dealing with her oldest son's cancer diagnosis when it was almost age two. Tyler is now a cancer survivor, amputee, and adaptive internationally competitive athlete. I don't know if I mentioned this, but he's also a college student. One of the lessons that I learned from this podcast that we probably all already know, but we need we need the reminder is that bad things also happen to good people and there's purpose in our pain and there's strength in the struggle. I want to encourage our listeners that this podcast is not a replacement for therapy. It is for educational purposes only. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the show, Dr. April Jones. I am so happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure. No problem. So I think that what you do is so fascinating. And I'd like for you to share with my audience what you do for a living. Yes, absolutely. So I, uh, I've had a career in pharmacy for about 15 years. Um, I started out as a pharmacist and, uh, you know, with my doctor in pharmacy and got my MBA and have done um, pharmacy administration and operations for many years. But for the last three years, I um, have been serving in a medical affairs role. So I am actually a medical director with a pharmaceutical company um, in the area of oncology. That's nice. Yeah. Thank you. That's cool. You're welcome. So I love to learn about people's childhood because I just think it's so fascinating. Uh, I am curious to know what I already know, but where were you born? And tell me your favorite childhood memory. Okay. So, um, so I was actually born, um, I was actually born in the Chicago area. So not a lot of people know that about me. Um, I was born up North by my mom and my dad, you know, were pretty young and they had moved up there. And, uh, but, you know, I'm sure you can tell by the Southern accent. I didn't learn to talk there. (laughs) They moved down to Tennessee. My mom really wanted to be closer to my grandmother. And so they moved uh, to Tennessee when I was fairly young. Um, and I grew up here in rural West Tennessee and, uh, and I actually reside now near, near Nashville. Um, in terms of my favorite childhood memory, you know, I, I did have, uh, I think every childhood has, has good and bad memories. Um, but I, I, I have to say I'm blessed to have many good memories. I grew up in, you know, a really small town and, I remember a lot of time, like hanging out on the playground with my friends, you know, like we had kind of a, a little block and we would all walk to the post office together and ride our bikes and, um, you know, kind of explore town and meet up in each other's yards. <laughs> and so it was just like, you know, everybody kind of looked out for each other 
each other's kids. And, um, and so I was, I'm really thankful that I had a relatively simple, you know, childhood. Um, I remember doing dinner many evenings with my whole family at my grandmother's house. She loved to cook. And so that was like a staple uh, for us was, uh, you know, fried chicken at my grandma's house. And, um, and then I, I really remember, I think the best, I only remember a couple of vacations when I was young and it was always to go to see a relative at, in another state. And so mm-hmm. I remember going to see my cousins in Chicago um, when I was little and, us, you know, like getting to see what city life was like and they kind of lived in uh they actually they lived in Berwyn and so you know they they had like all the neighbor kids would get together and play in the alley and we had Italian ice on the street and you know it was a really it was really cool to kind of see how their life was different than ours um so yeah I I'm I'm definitely blessed with a lot of good childhood memories yeah I remember like reading your book uh, you mentioned like putting fireflies in a mason jar, and yeah. I was like, and I was like, I only read that in in books. <laughs> you actually got to experience that in real life. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, and you know, especially like when my cousins would visit from out of state, um, they thought that was that was really pretty cool too. Like we would always mm-hmm. do that, and um, and you know, we had I had this uh, big hill in the back of my house. And because, you know, um, we, the, a lot of the kids would like congregate. I remember like racing on, um, you know, we were way too big for them, but getting on like the big wheels, like the little tricycles and in wagons. And us like, you know, at pushing off, off the top of the hill and everyone kind of like racing down the hill on these, it was, uh, so, you know, yeah, there, it was definitely a simple childhood, but a lot, you know, a lot of fun, you know, a lot of uh, cool things to remember. That's nice. Did you have any favorite activity as a child? Some people like singing, they like dancing, maybe they were organized. Um, was there anything that maybe you were even passionate about as a child? That's a great question. Um, I think I did. I really liked to draw. Um, my mom was an artist. And so I, you know, was always wanting to use her co- in, into her colored pencils. And, um, and I was actually a really big reader. I loved to read everything I could get my hands on when I was little. Okay. That's cool. Same, same. I love to read. So I also enjoy reading about the love story between you and your husband. Uh, can you please share your love story uh, with the listeners? Absolutely. <laughs> it is. Um, it's funny now because as a mom, you know, I have kids that are teenagers and, um, and I think back about how I really started adulthood very early, you know, so my husband and I um, started dating when I was 16 um, from the moment that we saw each other, I think it was, it, it was just like the a beginning of a chain of events, you know, and, and we have been together essentially ever since. And, you know, we grew up in a small town, like I said, he's three years older than me. So, um, you know, we had some of the same friends, but we didn't know each other, uh, well until I turned 16, I was 16 at the time. And, um, so 
we really grew up together in a lot of ways, you know, like figuring out what it's like to get jobs. And, you know, I went to college and, um, so I, we got married very young. We did, we got engaged. Actually, I was still in high school when I got my engagement ring (laughs) and, um, (laughs) then I, I actually went to, I graduated early. I went to college early and, um, it, it was, we had been together about three years when we decided, uh, to go ahead and get married. Um, and interestingly enough, it was only about two months later and I found out I was pregnant. So, um, it was good time <laughs> timing in that respect. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, we started out, you know, like young, just kind of figuring life out. And we both knew that, we didn't want to stay in that small town environment for our entire life. And so really like meeting him young helped give me, you know, the confidence and the courage to, you know, explore new things and to, you know, essentially adventure and really to pursue something um, that maybe I wouldn't had if it were, were just me. I think I was really humble and, you know, he was always very encouraging of my, capabilities. And so I do believe I pushed myself harder and, and went further because of his encouragement. So, yeah. And I could also tell that from reading the book, I'll let the listeners read it for your determination to still continue with school and all of that. And I'm convinced that most of us were not planned, even when our parents are married, (laughs) if if most pregnancies were planned, we all wouldn't be here. So (laughs) that's life. Um, Yes. And I, and you know, my first, uh, I do share in the book about how my first uh, pregnancy was not planned. Um, I was a full-time college student. Um, I was turning 20 when I found out that I was pregnant. So I, um, it was, it was definitely, I wish that I could look back and say that I was excited, you know, about being a new mom and getting pregnant. But to be honest, like the experience was shocking (laughs) and upsetting. And, uh, and basically just, I kind of came to the conclusion very quickly, you know, within an hour of finding out that, okay, well, if this is what it's going to be, then I just need to figure out a plan of how to make this work. And it wasn't like this huge, you know, as you grow up as a little girl, you, I think we're taught to imagine certain life events to be a certain way that life is, is perfect. If you have a particular wedding, if you have a particular, like, you know, type of, of stereotypical relationship, if you, you know, like you get pregnant after, you know, three to five years of being married and, you know, you, there's like this idealized vision of what our life is supposed to be like. And, and knowing that it wasn't going to be like that, I think, um, for we have, um, you know, it's just, it's almost like disruptive to that dream, you know, it's like, okay, so real life is not, the way that I imagined when I was growing up. Um, but as, as it got closer, you know, having Billy really be excited about 
even him being very young, he was 22 at the time, you know, him being very young, but still being very excited about becoming a father. Um, and the, as I realized that this was going to happen and I wasn't going to change it. And I, you know, we were committed then, um, I, I too became, you know, accepting and then excited, you know, about being a mom. And then Tyler actually came about, he came eight weeks early. So, you know, it, it really allowed me to, um, to understand what a blessing that he was because life is very fragile and, um, you know, and, and we're not, where, you know, our actions might lead to consequences sometimes, but, uh, sometimes God will actually bless us in spite of, uh, of, of when things aren't going how we planned it to go. So. Yeah. And I, the story of you finding out, I'll let the audience go and read the book. <laughs> it was just incredible how the whole thing happened. <laughs> um, and I also think that a lot of us don't even know, maybe we don't have those discussions but some people might even be curious like did my parents plan what was their reaction because like you said people go through so many different things and there are different stages in their lives and then you know things happen <laughs> so yes uh, so you know and my son is I I really kind of battled a little bit at first about whether or not I would share that story um or that part of you know of the journey um but, but, and for one reason, um, because I never shared it with Tyler and he is now 19, you know, he was, he was 17, I think when the book came out and I, he was like, what you did like, you didn't want me <laughs> like, you know, I, yeah, you know, like I wasn't like this, you know, I, I think, and we all, like you say, like probably many of us, it was very similar to what happened with our parents, but we just imagined that it was this magical moment that they were so excited yeah. <laughs> and we were the baby they always wanted, you know, and it's just not true that, you know, that it always happens that way. And so, um, you know, Tyler, I think was a little, he was definitely surprised and also kind of like, what, you know, like a little disappointed, I think, but I, I want my intention of sharing it was very much when I decided to write the book, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to share a lot of things that I normally wouldn't, even with friends and family, because, um, it's, it's in those things that we find so much shame, about feeling the way that we feel when we're facing difficult circumstances and there's freedom in identifying that other people also feel the same way. And it's not like uh, a unique thing and we can't feel guilty about how we feel. We have to, to deal with it and then figure out how to move on from it. Because if we, if we stay in those feelings that are uncomfortable, it can be very toxic and inhibiting to us moving forward. So I think, um, I wanted, I want anyone, especially anyone who's younger, like in those college ages that are not prepared for adversity, the way that I was not prepared for adversity to know that when things happen that you don't plan, it's not the end of it's, it's not the end of your story. It's not the end of your your journey. And it can be potentially the beginning of a new 
adventure and not at like ending in tragedy. So, you know, I, I determined that it was, even though it was a long time ago and we've moved on from it and you can kind of close the door on that experience, it was an important experience to my personal growth and, and understanding that, um, you know, bad things sometimes happen, but even the bad things can be good things. And Tyler is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. I love that you said that in, I'm in the field of psychology and one of the things talking to people, what would deal with trauma is that it thrives in secrecy in not being open in not sharing and people deal with a lot of shame. And once you share, you realize, oh, other people have gone through the same thing. I'm not the only one. Yeah. So um, there's, yeah, there's healing and sharing for sure. I call it um, credibility in crisis. If you can understand that someone has, you know, like it's easier to take advice from someone or really um, value their advice or opinion, or, um, then, you know, like you have to know that they've struggled the way that you have in order for somehow to find that validation. Right. Otherwise we just say, Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) because you haven't been through what I have been through. But when we realize, like when we say that, yes, our experience might seem unique, but in reality, we're not the only one to deal with adversity. And, um, And that's something that I've, you know, I've really learned to appreciate through everything that we went through because, um, you know, through the early, you know, like being a a young mom and then having a child so Tyler went on to have cancer. So having a child with cancer and then a disability, um, you know, we've been exposed to a lot of other people and other stories of adversity and there's a camaraderie in it. Um, and then there's also, um, there's also, it's also a reminder, a, a very, um, a, a very humbling reminder that, um, you know, what we think of as the worst that can happen, there are others that have experienced things that maybe, you know, extraordinarily worse than what our experiences were. So it's really, it it allows you to come back to reality, I think, um, because we definitely can make things, there are things that happen that are bad, but, but even in that we can make it a lot worse sometimes Mm -hmm. than it even actually is. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, Tyler being diagnosed with cancer at age two at almost age two. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? How did that, like, what was your reaction? How did this impact you and your young family? Yeah. Um, it was my second year of the graduate program. Um, so we had moved about, you know, two, two hours or more away from, you know, where our family was, we had my husband and I, you know, were still kind of newly married, you know, we were just trying to, Mm -hmm. to figure out the whole being a grown up thing and having our own household and paying bills and balancing schedules and daycare and, you know, all the things that come with being a young parent. Um, And 
what happened was, is, you know, life went from being completely normal to completely disrupted and, um, and, and scary, you know, I think, um, it was when I realized when we found out that he had the tumor in his foot, he really didn't have any other symptoms, um, except the fact that we realized he had a knot and, um, once we had the scan done and we're told that it would definitely was a tumor, then, you know, like I tried to, my personality is I really tried to like rationalize and analyze what's happening currently to be able to make a plan for, you know, next steps or preparing myself for next steps. So when I realized he has a tumor, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's a tumor, but maybe, you know, maybe it's not, you know, it could be, they said it could be not cancerous. So we just need to find out what kind of tumor it is. And we're just going to be optimistic. Right. And so then we have the biopsy and they actually told us that it was not cancer. We had a misdiagnosis, um, which now that I work in oncology, I definitely have a greater understanding of how easily that could happen. You know, like tumors are very, within the tissue, you know, it, especially in a tumor that's, um, grown to be the size his was, was like three centimeters. Um, each area of that tumor can look a little different. So the tissue sample that they had, um, they diagnosed that to be not cancerous. So they went in. So it's like, okay, great. Well, now we just need to have surgery. We need to deal with next steps. So, um, he had the surgery, uh, to remove the tumor and then he wasn't healing, like as quickly. And we found out within, you know, two weeks time, it had completely grown back and filled up the same pocket that it was in. So, um, at that point we knew it was cancer. And I think it was kind of then where I didn't know what to do next. Right. Like, so I just kind of felt it was at that point, I really felt overwhelmed. So, you know, when I got the cancer diagnosis, I was just like, I've been trying to be positive and now I don't know how to be positive anymore. So, um, you know, you just, you try to realize what you can control and what you can't, and then where does faith fit in? And, you know, that's what I tried to do. And, um, we were, you know, we were very blessed. We, Tyler, did have to have an amputation of his leg because his tumors did not respond to chemo well. Um, but, um, it saved him and we've lost a lot of friends to childhood cancer. Um, and he is a young man today. So, um, even though the journey was hard, we know that it was, um, we have a lot to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How was your support system during that time? Because we just talked about how you were young, you're a young family. Uh, how was your support system like with your, uh, with your husband and with extended family? Did people rally around you guys? Was it like a church that came to support you? Uh, because I can imagine you being a caregiver. Um, and just, and also with the question about the faith, that's one of the re reasons why I started this podcast is that we go through so many challenges and finding the joy in our purpose. Um, how was that like? How did you how did you support yourself in every way that you would like to answer this question spiritually, emotionally? How were you supported? 
So, um, you know, I think anytime you're going through something incredibly difficult, it's our tendency to feel very alone because we feel like no one, you know, I think the pain is isolating. People feel like that no one else can possibly understand what they're going through. So it's, it's, uh, and it's an isolating feeling, but when I look back, I had so much support around me, um, in a lot of ways. So, um, and even from very unexpected places, um, my husband had been with the police department. So he started as a police officer at 21 and the police department was so supportive and incredible when Tyler was going through treatments, all of the guys, you know, I didn't know many of them, you know, I just moved Mm -hmm to the Memphis area to start school. And they, you know, we were, he was one of the youngest officers, you know, of course on, um, on the, in the department. And so, you know, we didn't, we hadn't made like a lot of, of friends. Well, I hadn't made a lot of friends with them, but, um, they were so incredibly supportive. They all donated sick time so that Billy could be off for every treatment. And every time we had to be inpatient, And so we didn't have to worry about like a disruption in income during that time, which was a huge blessing. Um, And, you know, they just did little things for him. Like, you know, they um, were just encouraging and would, you know, like send gifts. And I remember after Tyler had his amputation, like they got him a puppy. So he had like a little, he had a canine. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, um, one of the other captains was going through, um, one of the captains was going through his own kind of medical journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, so was doing chemotherapy at the same time as Tyler was. And I remember they very much bonded, um, that they both, you know, like lost their hair at the same time and things like that. So I, um, so it was, it was really rewarding to kind of see connections that happen that was really, you know, helped towards giving you joy in the difficult moments. Um, also like, because we were away from where we had grown up, you know, we didn't really have like a, a church support system or anything like that there yet. And the chaplain, um, for the police department also was a pastor there. And so, uh, in town and his church just like poured love out on us. They, you know, like were, um, would bring us dinner and they would pray for us. And, um, even like we spent the entire day, um, well, really the entire week before Christmas and, uh, in that period leading up to Christmas, um, in the hospital. So I remember that on, Christmas Eve when we had came home and had gotten bad news, um, there was like this whole basket of toys on our doorstep from the ladies at the church that had went and got Tyler gifts. So, you know, um, we got gift baskets from my best friend from growing up, like her mom sent us a whole, sent Tyler a box of toys and 
soft clothes and uh, my friend Emily got him a backpack for fluids. The kids at school were so supportive. Um, in pharmacy school, they would bring my notes to the hospital. So they would take notes and they would help me study, um, you know, in the waiting room at the hospital and, um, you know, really tried to do things around my time schedule as much as they could and just really wanted, you know, to help me succeed. And, um, and so it's incredible. And, you know, I still have a lot of those relationships today, but even the ones that I don't talk to, like, I, I just consider them so close to my heart. So. Yeah. I think, yeah, I've had those experiences too, where I think of someone that has done something meaningful for me. And I just say a little prayer because I'm not in contact with them anymore, but, um, to know that human beings can be so kind and just, uh, donate their, you know, PTOs and, uh, it, it also shows the mercies of God and to just know that, okay, this might be a dark time, but God is with us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So on your website, the drifted drum, um, I've seen pictures of you and, uh, Tyler, how is it doing now? I, I think I also saw him like is he has participated in Olympics and things like that. So can you share with us how Tyler's doing now? Yes. Um, I uh, am, am very happy to report that, you know, despite, you know, having cancer and it really, you know, it, it does, I think it's, it's often overlooked, you know, you work in working in psychology, I'm sure you can appreciate this. I, I feel like it's often overlooked the traumatic long-term psychological impact that it can have on kids that are even very, very young. Um, we were in a docu-series, um, it actually just aired this year. Um, we taped about 18 months ago called Living Out Loud. And, you know, one of the questions that they asked him, I remember was, um, you know, he's, he's a, a pretty driven young man. And, you know, you would think I would, I would have thought, you know, maybe perhaps his answer to why does he strive so hard would be because he has to overcome this challenge that everyone else doesn't have but his answer was not that at all it was that you know he acknowledges that not everyone gets to live and so if we are here that means we have a calling we have a reason we have an opportunity that they didn't have and we don't he doesn't want that to be wasted and um you know and and so it's it's just very telling that um you know, even these traumas that happen early on, like it can have a, a very long term impact. And I'm just thankful that for Tyler, it's been a positive one in many ways, because even though he has challenges that others don't have, um, he has strong faith and he has an understanding and an appreciation for life, a gratitude for life. And, um, he has done many things, you know, that others have, have would, you know, never dream of. He's been a national award winner for, um, uh, challenged athletes. Um, he got like a, it was, he was like the national junior, uh, he got the challenge athlete foundation rising star award, um, the year before last he competed in Ireland, um, for the national adaptive team. Um, in track and field 
and he, you know, brought home medals. So um, he's been, um, you know, he has friends all over the country and all over the world that have similar challenges or have had difficult journeys. And um, it really puts life into perspective for him. So he's a college student now. He is, um, you know, he's pursuing he really wants to go to med school, <laughs> but chemistry is kicking his butt this year, but he knows that his future is um, helping other people who have had similar difficulty as he has. So, um, you know, I'm very proud of him. He, he's an impressive young man by all accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds very impressive, honestly. Um, so I've been mentioning your book and I, I should say the title. The title of your book is No Mess, No Message, Finding Strength in Struggle and Purpose in Pain. What have you learned through this journey? And how has this impacted your relationship with God? Um, you know, it. Um, I'm honestly very thankful. Like as a mother, I would love to take it all all back, you know, like I, my, I would want him to just have a healthy life and similar experiences to every average, you know, American athletic, just, you know, kid that gets to do whatever he wants to do, right? Like play sports and, um, just be like all the other kids, but, you know, that was not Tyler's journey. That was not God's plan for our life. And, I am just embracing the fact that, um, we have learned so much and that we're not the same as we would be had we just had an average journey, you know, like if we just had the average experience. And, um, I think that I can see a lot of strength in our family, um, not just in the relationships, which is, is definitely has been a byproduct as well, but in our characteristics. So, you know, like to be more driven and to more seize the day and to be, um, and to have a deep relationship with God. And I think that's one thing that I've learned through all this that I value the most is that I didn't understand how, like what a relationship with God was. I grew up in church. I grew up, you know, in a religious environment for the most part, but I didn't understand the difference between that religion was, you know, like religion is rules that you follow and, um, in an effort to, to lead, you know, a, um, the life of a good person and to eventually go to heaven. Right. Like, but I didn't understand like that. It's so much more than that. And I am so thankful, you know, that I've, I've, gained a relationship with God through this. And it's what sustains me through anything. You know, I often say like, I don't feel like I, even though I'm so thankful to have people in my life, I, I, I'm kind of at a point where I don't feel like I need anyone or anything, but God. And that is so reassuring. Um, it's what helps me in every situation it helps me if I'm anxious, if I'm worried, if I'm scared, I just, I go back to the word and, 
and remind myself of his promises. And I just thank him for that to be true. And it grounds me so much. And, um, and that's something that I didn't have before. And I, I would pray that every person that experiences incredible difficulty, I pray that they find God's security and safety and love in the middle of their crisis. Yeah. And another lesson that I picked up from what you said that Tyler shared in that documentary was about not wasting time and how many of us take for granted that we're alive and just wasting time and letting time pass us by. You kind of answered my next question, but I'm going to ask this question. So like I shared earlier, I started this podcast because I wanted people to know that even though we experience failures, disappointments, people telling us no, that there is still joy in living a life of purpose. So my podcast is centered around mental health and purpose. So I invite people to share their life stories. And then we talk about mental health, coping skills, and living a life full of passion. Is there any lessons or any advice you would like to share with my audience? I feel like what you said previously was really good, but also with people that might be having difficulties with their mental health, physical health, where is just, it's just hard to believe, to see that God is good, that God is kind and God loves me. So they're having troubles with that. What encouragement, what other encouragement would you like to share with them? Yes. So I'm so glad you asked me this question, Lola, because I have, um, it's, it's honestly, you know, through the last year and a half or so where I've really been an open book and, um, really have been striving to help other people find, you know, their platform and their calling in the difficult things that they've experienced and how there's value in growing through them and using them to help others rather than just like shutting the door on what was painful and putting it behind you. Um, and I, so I've done, a lot of, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, of study and a lot of prayer, you know, in terms of biblical study, I've done a lot of prayer. And one of the things that I think I realized just recently, so I was preparing the, I, I held my first conference path to purpose, co- virtual conference in December. Um, and, you know, I share, I had others share their stories of, uh, incredible, situation, um, that they've been in that God had helped them overcome and how they found God's calling for their life and their purpose through the, the difficult thing that they'd experienced. And then I had, you know, like workshops set up for them to, um, kind of figure out how to formulate a first step in pursuing what they thought may be their calling. So I had, you know, a workshop on writing and one on, um, one on public platform and for those that want to start a podcast like you and uh for ministry and these different components um of of you know potential opportunities like um realigning your career path to something that you feel like maybe you're more suited for or your experiences are are calling you you know are, are more calling you to do so one of the things that I feel like God really spoke to me about during all of that was 
that we focus so much on the activity. We focus so much on what are we supposed to be doing that we sometimes forget. And, and it's almost like we become consumed to live for the purpose and not to live for the God that call, that has the purpose for us. So I circle back all the time to Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, and 13, you know, and really that God's plan for me is better than my plan. And that God does have a plan for those who choose to serve him. And if your heart is after, if, if you, you have to really, you know, pray that David's prayer and ask him to search your heart and show you and reveal to you anything that shouldn't be there so that you can be as close to God as possible. And that even if you're in a painful situation, God's plan for you is not to cause you pain, but he can use the pain to bring something out of you that you didn't even know was there. So I think that it's about digging into understanding that God's love for you is unconditional. And, and even when we feel abandoned sometimes in it, that it's just a chapter. It's just like, it's just the, the, it's just the part of the story that leads up to the redemption and the revelation. And you think about it, like there's no, there, you know, like how many examples can we, can we think of where God's people really lost in the end? There, there's really not, especially mm -hmm. if we consider that like heaven is our destination, that even, mm -hmm. in, even in death, we have still won. So it's really about bringing that perspective back around to say, what could God's plan for me be through this? This is not what I planned, but if this is God's plan, then how do I listen and learn and dig into what he has me, um, what he has for me through this situation? Um, and then, and that, and I think that's how we live with hope and faith, right? Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good place to end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's all about God, not just the mm -hmm. blessings that we can get from him. The reason is just for us to serve him. Yes, yeah. yes. And if we remember, you know, the blessings come as a gift, we don't serve God for the blessings. We serve God for the love. And mm -hmm. then, you know, that, because that is what we were created to do. We were created to worship. And I, and that's another thing, you know, that, you know, I've often thought like, you know, God, you choose all these people to do ministry. You know, I love my career and I love you know, like what I do and helping others. And, um, and I, I do believe that that is, that is part of what I was called to do as much as I love to like, sometimes as much as I, you know, I had this idealized vision of what ministry might be for full time. And I was like, you call all these people to just, all they do is they get to serve you all day long and they get to, to, you know, like evangelize about you and write about you all day long. And that's their whole life. And I want you, I want my life to be consumed completely. And I realized God gave me talents and, and other things that I'm, 
I'm using, he called, he wants me to use those things. And that, so that path, that full-time ministry path is, is not part of what I'm supposed to do right this minute. Um, but I wasn't necessarily like, I wasn't created to be a pharmacist or a doctor or a, um, or even a writer. I was created to worship. That's my only that's the only reason I was created was to come just be in companionship and worship with the Lord and all of that other stuff. Those are just things that God has blessed me with that I get to do. So, yeah, I love that. And I think that would deliver so many people just hearing that, hearing that perspective. I, I love it. So to round up, I would love for you to tell us where we can purchase your book. Uh, and I think that many people will learn from it and, and uh, your social media handles or anything else you'd like to share with the listeners. Yes. Well, so uh, my book is available almost anywhere you prefer to buy books. So like, if you like to purchase online at Barnes and Noble or, you know, even walmart.com or target, um, Amazon, Apple, it's all of those places. Um, you can get it on Kindle or Apple books. Um, if you like audible, um, there's an audio version on Apple and, and Amazon audible. Um, but also like if you want to author signed copy, so if you want a gift to someone, you know, special, or you really need a special message of encouragement, I pray over every book that I send out and you can get that on my website, the And, um, also at the if you, um, want, if you are, you know, like struggling, I, or, you know, just are hesitant about, you know, like your budgeting and hesitant about spending money on books. I would love to bless you with a free digital download. You just go on my website and you sign up for the newsletter and then you purchase the digital download using code know my purpose, all caps, know my purpose. And you can download the digital version, the PDF for free. So <laughs> oh, amazing. I also have a companion journal. So if you buy my book and you want the companion journal, it's available as a digital download for free as well on my website. Um, and it's, it goes chapter by chapter. So if you want to do more than, than just read, but really dig into potentially why you respond to things the way that you do, or really analyze situations in your life that, um, maybe you need more biblical grounding in or, encouragement, you know, uh, more, um, biblical, uh, encouragement, then, um, you can go chapter by chapter along with my book and really document your experiences and how you can learn from them as well. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing yeah. that resources sure. with my listeners. Um, it was a pleasure. I already knew this was going to be good, but it was really, really good. I, <laughs> I learned a lot. Uh, thank you for being my guest. Thank you. Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. And I just pray over everyone listening that, um, that you will be encouraged and be blessed and know that you are not alone. Even if you feel alone, God has, he has his eyes on you. So, um, you know, be encouraged in, in your moments that we all have, we all have difficult moments and bad things don't just happen to bad. You know, we think bad things should happen to just bad people, but no, the truth is we all are going to have our struggles, but tomorrow is an, is a new day and you can, you can have hope and faith in today. So. Yes. Amen. 
Thank you. Amen. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode. No matter what you're going through, I want you to know that God has your back and that you have purpose within you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with your friends and family.